We've got keys to victory for both Jackson State and Prairie View going into the SWAC championship. A rundown of Bowie State versus Valdosta State and the first feature Friday. Oh yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU Athletics Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day, and I am Darian the Mouth of the South Gray, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor, and today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. And look, it's Friday, y'all. It's Friday. Who doesn't love Fridays? And I'm super excited to bring this episode to you because it's it's special. And the ending is going to be really special with our first feature Friday. So I'm ready to just get into it. Let's just hop into it so we can finally get to that. And what we're going to do to start off today's show is we're going to talk about Prairie View versus Jackson State the 2021 SWAC championship, and what needs to happen for both of these teams to achieve victory. Because that is the ultimate goal, to become the SWAC champions. Every time you start off the year, I want to win the SWAC. That is the goal for any and every team that lines up in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. And let's start off with Prairie View. Let's go with the underdogs first, just because, right? And the number one key for them is a narrative that we've been discussing basically all week. Monday, Wednesday, and now Friday, kind of a recurring theme when discussing Prairie View, and that is eliminating turnovers. You don't want to shoot yourself in the foot. You never want to shoot yourself in the foot, ever. It's really that simple, but I don't want to keep going in on this too much because I don't want it to feel like I'm just bashing them or targeting them. However, this is a big deal. That's the reason I keep bringing it up, you know. It's understood. Avoid shooting yourself in the foot because you play really one game against probably a really good team in Alcorn State, and in that game, you shot yourself in the foot. That That's the game that you really started or that it really came to bite you in the buttocks, but the margin of error versus good teams is always slim, and this is the cream of the crop that you're playing now. Turnovers have put you in a hole versus Alcorn State, and they have stopped you from making a comeback against Alcorn State. You can really say the same thing as Mississippi Valley State. It put you in a hole, and it stopped you from achieving your comeback. The same will happen with Jackson State, at least the former. You might not even get a chance to get to the latter. So it's going to put you in a hole if you continue to turn the ball over because they will take advantage of those things. And with the way their defense has been playing year-round, once you're in that hole, I don't know if it's any climbing, climbing your way out, you know. So let's get into key number two. Get to the red zone. And that's easier said than done. I already know that. I know. Get to the get to the red zone. Yeah, we want to do that every week, Darian. But Jackson State has a stout defense, a really stout defense, and they don't allow points. They don't allow yards. But they aren't actually that good of a red zone defense team. So if you get in there, you kind of have a 50-50 shot of a field goal versus a touchdown. They're not just allowing touchdowns every time, but they've been in the red zone 
20 or they have allowed teams to be in the red zone 21 times and 17 of those times it's came up with points. Nine of those were field goals, eight of those were touchdowns. So they're holding teams to field goals more times than TDs, but it's really not that much of a difference to where you really feel like, oh, you're, they're just field goal, they're bend but don't break, especially team. Nah, not really. If they're bending, there's a good chance that you can get them to break. However, it's super hard for them to bend. It's super hard for you to get them to bend. And I know, obviously, you're going to have points. However, the thing I want to I want to point out specifically is they don't have any turnovers forced in the red zone. So when they get there, it's either downs or you're scoring. They're only they're one of only two teams in the swag that has not forced a turnover within the red zone. So if you can get to the red zone on them, then yes, get you're gonna you're more than likely gonna get some points. You just gotta make sure you take care of the ball. And they haven't proven capable to take the ball away in the red zone within uh, the, their own 20, right? And then number three, take away Keith Corbin. Jackson State doesn't run the ball much. Like, that's just not what they do. They don't even try to do it. They're not the greatest at it either. They don't average a high uh, yard per carry. But they don't also average a lot of carries per game. So with that being said, clearly they got to generate offense in some way, right? So how they like to generate offense is through the pass. And there's a couple of ways that you can really take the pass away. You don't have to just put pressure on the quarterback. You don't have to have lockdown cover around the board. I think the way that may be easiest to take away Jackson State's passing game or at least limit it is by just going to the number one weapon. They don't do anything more than passing the ball, and they don't pass to anybody more than Keith Corbin. Um, I mean, why why not, right? He's a second-team all-swack receiver. Obviously, he's, he's a formidable weapon. However, when you look at his value amongst the swack, it's high because he's a really good player, second-team all-swack. Like I said, one of the four best receivers in the, in the conference as far as the voters are concerned. But when you look at his value to Jackson State, it's even higher. There's not another guy who's within 300 yards of Corbin. There's not another one of these receivers who is within 20 receptions of Corbin. And I don't want to make it seem like these guys are scrubs because they're far from it. These guys are actually really dangerous weapons outside of Corbin. Malachi Wyman has 11 touchdowns, which is second in the swag. Trevante Rucker averages 20 yards per catch, which is second in the swag amongst receivers who have had 20 or more catches. So, they're just not getting utilized as much. So as a defense, I'm going to tell you, you have to utilize those guys because I'm not going to let Keith Corbin beat me through the air. It's that simple. No disrespect to them. That's just the game plan of taking away the top weapon and making everybody else beat you. Now, as far as Jackson State goes, get to the quarterback. And I love me a good matchup of strength versus strength. And this one is strictly in the trenches. So you can watch the trenches if you want to watch this during the game. It's the defensive line and the rushers because you're going to bring other people versus the offensive line, the Prairie View. And Jackson State has brought down the quarterback more times than anybody else in the, in the SWAC at 48. Meanwhile, Prairie View has only allowed 17 sacks, which ranks second in the conference. So somebody's got to give, right? That's 17 sacks on 327 dropbacks as well. So the second leading sack artist in the conference, James Houston, and first team all SWAC, Defensive lineman Antoine Owens should take this as a personal challenge to bring down the quarterback. 
Houston has seven forced fumbles on the year, go get you a forced fumble because they've proven themselves to be a little loosey-goosey with the ball sometimes. Danny Garza, second-team all-swag offensive lineman for Prairie View, should take this as a personal challenge. I'm going against one of the best defensive lines in the conference. Don't worry about me, coach. I'm coming with it. Period. That's the end of the discussion. I'm coming with it. That's all you got to know about me. The second key to victory would be win third downs. And this is another place where Jackson State excels. And they've been the second best red zone offense, or excuse me, third down offense. And they've been the best third down defense. And this is all about maintaining. You've extended drives well, great. You stop drives from extending, great. These are qualities that you go into the game and if you just look at the the box score you're probably thinking oh this team was two for 11 on third down they probably didn't win the game or this team was seven of nine on third down they probably won the game they've been effective so they've proven themselves year round to be good at both of these things just continue you know then lastly be yourself be yourself don't don't allow this moment to be too big for you and I don't want to sit here and act like nobody's been close to Jackson State all year. And I don't want to just, you know, just politic for them all the time. Because that would be a lie. Jackson State or Jackson State was losing to Southern in the fourth quarter. But for the most part, they've been really the best team in the SWAC the whole year. Ask any publication covering HBCUs. But pressure can bust pipes or pressure can make diamonds. And I think Dion probably has a team primed to succeed. But for them, this should be a truly another game. Because... I know Coach Sanders has visions of them being bigger than just the HBCU story. Not just, oh, they were good for the swag. Not any of that. However, this is the last stop. You got to win the SWAC conference or your, or your season's over. There ain't no looking past that. It's no, okay, we're going to a bowl game after this. Yes, you had a celebration bowl, but that don't exist if you don't win this game. So I think that's one thing that has kind of in the favor of Jackson State. Ain't no looking forward to this. Ain't no trap game. This is the game. Point blank, period. So before we go into the next segment discussing Bowie State versus Valdosta, I want to talk to you guys about Bet Online. And if I'm putting money down on the game, trust I'm going through Bet Online. They have you covered all season with more odds, props, lines than ever before. And football season's about to get into the playoffs. Once the stakes start raising, go ahead and raise the ante too. Put some more money down. Bet Online, the number one spot. For all your sports action this season, you can go to the desktop, you can get on your phone, go to the mobile website. Just make sure you sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive your bonus. Go to basketball, football, hockey, uh, boxing, UFC, or if you just want to play casino games, that's fine. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available on the 2021 season on whatever you decide to bet on. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
Let's keep rolling this Locked On HBCU Friday. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And we're going to talk about Bowie State versus Valdosta State. I talked about earlier in the week how Bowie State has made history by making it to their first quarterfinals in the D2 playoffs. Now let's talk about how they can get to their first semifinals in the D2 playoffs. And I don't think that this is a situation where they have to go and galvanize the team. Word of the day. I don't think they have to do that because they should know what time it is. It's the playoffs. I, I firmly believe there is no motivation for playoffs that needs to be created, at least. It's just natural. Like, I don't need to get you excited to play a playoff game. If I needed to get you excited to play a playoff game, you might want to just get off my team because that game alone would fire me up, and it should fire you up. The stakes are enough, right? Two more wins, and you get into that ship. Three games, and you getting fitted for a ring. It's that, it's that clear. You know, I don't think I need to add anything to it. So why? That's just that's just my personal opinion on it, though, right? But Bowie State comes in with one of the best defenses in the in the nation, ranked fifth in the country. I detailed how dominant they have been, barely allowing any opponents to score ten points. Nine times, I believe the number was nine times that you've held a, an opponent to ten or less points. That's that's ridiculous. Like. That's another level of dominance as a defense. And it honestly, it surprises me that they're only fifth. And fifth is a high number. It just shocks me that they're only fifth. But head coach Gary Goff of Valdosta is most concerned with the defensive line of Bowie State. So them Bulldogs on, on, on the defensive line are something that has your coach concerned. They can't allow Valdosta to get a read on them. That's the number one thing. Because he talked about how they give a bunch of different pressures and a bunch of unique looks. And those are things that are going to confuse the team. Confuse Valdosta, I should say. So, when you got the Bulldogs, you're looking at the Blazers of Valdosta. Get the offensive line guessing. Because once they get a read on you, they understand what you're doing. Now they can adjust and it becomes significantly more difficult to execute. Because if I'm sitting here and I'm giving you 10 looks, you don't know what's coming. It could be look 1 through 5 on one on one. Could be seven on the next, could be nine, could be back to three, could be four. I'm giving different looks every time. You don't know what to expect. But if I'm giving you three looks every time or every time I line up in one look, it is this way. Now you're starting to get a beat on me and it's going to be easier for you to stop me. And the coach has already pointed this out, so he he's aware of this. But it's one of those things where if you get multitude of looks, ain't nothing you can do. You can just try to play better. But if you don't know what's coming, you don't know what's coming. Especially if everything starts looking the same, that's when you really get into a, a level of execution or not really execution, but pre-snap, I should say, pre-snap execution. That's when you really get into another level of that. But pressure is truthfully the big equalizer on the defense. And sometimes it's a make or break quality because I don't care how good your quarterback is. I don't care how good your receivers are. It does not matter if you cannot throw the ball because you're always under duress. It doesn't matter if you're always on your back on the ground. You can't throw to anybody on your back. You might be able to throw the ball up, but the play already going to be dead. But on the flip side, I don't care how good your corners are. If you can't get no pressure and they have all day to throw, they're probably going to complete a lot of passes. They might get a few knockdowns, 
Just like you might get a few screen passes or something. But for the most part, nah, you're not going to get success either way of those of those. Whether you're on the defensive side and you have to cover all day or you're on the offensive side and you're going to have to throw passes super quick. Neither one is truthfully a recipe for success. So when I look at this game and what they need to do, I think it's necessary that you do it because you look at Goff's concerns. He doesn't say that. Coach Goff does not say that if it's not something that they're really thinking about and concerned about. And in many ways, this game is kind of similar to the FAMU Southeastern Louisiana game to me because you have a stout defense, one of the best in the country, going against what is probably or perceived at as least, at least as their as their biggest challenge, an offense better than anyone they have faced all year. Because man, they got a they got a stellar offense over there. And Valdosta, they got a stellar offense. Last week they put up 719 yards and 66 points on West Virginia, on West Georgia in a playoff game. These supposed to be uh, top tier, you know what I mean? These are supposed to be guys who are, or excuse me, these are supposed to be teams who are the best teams in the in the country. You just put up almost, you just put up 719 yards. Let's just let's not even round them. You put up 17, 719 yards. You put up 66 points. Those are elite numbers, and this isn't an aberration. This is what they are. The Valdosta offense is prolific. The aberration is Valdosta beating Albany by 21 to 3. That's the only game all year that they've scored less than 30 points. And they've won over 50 four times. Going over 50 points more than you scored less than 30 is a wild stat. And they have a pretty good defense to pair with it, but we're going to focus specifically on the offense. So I look at Bowie State, and I think Bowie State needs to do the exact same thing that I said, fam, you needed to do. Control the ball, play defense. That's playing defense on both sides. Really, like, defense is stopping the offense. That's that's exactly what it is. Both of these things are going to help you stop that offense because when you have an offense as prolific as this, it's kind of a, you can't stop them, just got to hope to contain them. So this is, I'm, I'm giving my, my plan to not stop but contain. Follow me. I just spoke about how you have to kind of stop and slow down the offense, get pressure. That's necessary. I think that's the biggest way to do it. But now let's talk about stopping the offense with your offense. All of that passing, too quick. It don't run any clock. You have to control the ball, and that starts with running the ball. So luckily for Bowie State, that's what they do best, and that's what they try to do. Even the quarterback runs the ball. But number one is Kyle, uh, Khalil Wilkins. You got to get him involved. And I don't think that's going to be hard because he's been one of the best players in the CIAA and one of the best players in the nation. You know, he he made it to the final eight for the for the Harlan Hill Award, which is the best player in the country, D2-wise. And he's been the best weapon for the team year-round. I understand that passing the ball is good. And Jerome Johnson had some really good throws last week. He had some really good throws, especially after coming coming back from that injury. He was really impressive. However, this is still Khalil Wilkins' team. Khalil Wilkins is a guy, like I said, is up for the award for best player. Not best running back, not, not best CIAA player, best player, period, in the country. So 
This is the running team when even the quarterback is running. So that's what you need to do against Valdosta. When you look at running the ball, that's really what makes the offense tick, you know. That's what makes it go. So number one priority has to be running the ball. And when you got a guy like Wilkins who only stands 5'8", but he's 210, leading Russia in the conference with 1,260 yards, I don't think it'll be difficult. I think that's really going to be your main thing every game. Go in there, push the ball with him, and really just drain the clock. I'm not saying you got to sit there and play that offense where you're trying to run it out because you got a 20-point lead. But don't sit there and feel like you have to go blow for blow with these guys because you completely don't. And I don't think it's a good idea to try to. That That's really the thing. It's not a good idea to try to go out there and do it and play their game. But what it is a good idea to do is try built bars. I love these things. That's why I keep telling you about them. Go get you some built bars. This holiday season, grab a protein bar that tastes like candy, better than some. You get the best of both worlds. They're delicious and they're healthy. You got so many flavors. You have a hard time choosing. Do I get raspberry? Do I get mint brownie? Do I get cherry? Do I get... Oh, stop it. Just get all three of them. Be a smart person and you get all three. Built Bar gives you extra fuel that you'll need to bust down those mall doors, battle those holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in shopping lines because those can get boring sometimes or they can be long, get you a little snack. Built Bar can give you that too. It's the season of peace. So if you don't want to fight over your favorite flavor because people love these things, they will fight you for them. Just don't say anything and tell Santa to throw some built bars into your into your stocking real quick for the Christmas season. And then when he when you get them, here's here's my personal trick. Put the built bar into some hot chocolate. It'll melt your 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 bar a little bit, but it'll also give that that hot chocolate some really good flavor. So if you like marshmallowy treats around the holidays, get you some built bar puffs. They're light, fluffy, marshmallowy through and through, and different flavors, all covered in chocolate. Tastes so good you wouldn't even believe that you're tasting protein so go to built.com and use the promo code lock 15 to get a 15 percent off your order go to built.com using the promo code lock 15 and get 15 percent off your order What's going on? Let's wrap up today's Friday episode of Locked On HBCU with our first feature Friday. And because it's our first, I got to give you the background information of not just what it is, but where it came from. So something that's big for me, and hopefully you'll find these things out um, as you'll keep listening. You'll just hear little things that I kind of harp on. But for me, exposure is something that's big. And it's not just a Oh, let's let's have HBCUs get exposure so more people can come to the schools and things like that. That's great. And don't get me wrong. I really do feel like that's great and needed. But for me, it's like a personal feeling of just that person should be getting more shine than they really are. And like I said, hopefully as time goes past and you'll keep listening and you'll feel like you're part of the family even more you'll realize these things. That That's my hope. But for me, with exposure being so big, I just want to take Feature Friday to highlight it. I didn't want to get too, too in-depth about it, but just know that this comes from personal experience, and it's important. Maybe one day I'll get into it more, but right now I'm not. The point is, that personal experience of feeling like light should be shined upon certain people, and it just isn't, 
that's what led to Feature Friday. So on Feature Friday, I'm essentially taking out the need for current events. Some things might be current, but it doesn't have to be. It just is about a person or or an event. So whoever or whatever, I'm putting a spotlight on. That's what Feature Friday is. Every Friday at the end of the episode, we're in the week off. We're just talking about this person or, or thing. So let's start off with the first one. And that's former Alcorn State because he just graduated and announced that he will be going into the NFL draft and preparing for a professional career, Felix Harper. And why did I choose him? One is because he is going into the professional side now. But then two, because his story has always just been really good to me, really cool to me. And his freshman, sophomore year, back up. That's okay, everybody don't come and play as true true freshman, right? His junior year, he was also supposed to be a backup. However, the quarterback, Noah Johnson, got hurt in the third game against McNeese State. And from there, you would think that, okay, you're going to have a drop-off because it's a backup quarterback. But there was no drop-off. And this guy was a guy who, excuse me, not, not just this guy, but Noah Johnson was a guy who had high expectations. He was the reigning so in 2018, he was the reigning SWAC Offensive Player of the Year. 2019 preseason pick to be the Offensive Player of the Year. First team uh, all-SWAC quarterback in 2018. Also picked to be the same in 2019. This is a guy who was a real stud for Alcorn. So when he gets hurt, it's like, that's one of those blows where you feel like your season might be over. But it wasn't. Because in comes Felix Harper. And... They like I said, it was the preseason swag all swag quarterback, right? Offensive player of the year. Swag voters were right. They were completely right. Alcorn was going to have the offensive player of the year and was going to have these first team all swag quarterback. It just wasn't Noah Johnson. It was Felix Harper. In the first season, came in in the third game. In the first season, he came through and shut it down. This is this was a phenomenal debut to the world because i'm telling you he had huge shoes to fill and once he stepped in them his toes is touching the front like man i think it's about time i get a new size pops i think it's about look put your, put your hand right here you feel my toes they right here on the front i need some more room to grow that's the type of way that he came into the season as a junior he was all he was already there he had prepared a little bit and you could tell because he came in ready and was he Noah Johnson? Didn't need to be. He didn't need to be. He needed to be Felix Harper. Because Felix Harper is the person who came in and won the SWAC. Came in his first year, won SWAC Offensive Player of the Year, won SWAC First Team All-Quarterback, and he won the SWAC Championship, or led Alcorn to the SWAC Championship, I should say. So I don't care if he's exactly like Felix, or excuse me, exactly like Noah Johnson. Never needed to be. No one, no one needs to be a carbon copy. I know a lot of times that's what we expect is like, my man, he's not uh, Noah Harper, Noah Johnson, excuse me, but he is Felix Harper, and that's just as good enough, if not better. He's gone on to be one of the best players in Alcorn State's history, you know, ranking high in 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 quarterback statistics. He was the SWAC Offensive Player of the Year and the HBCU All American that year, and he wasn't done. He stacked up his numbers that look like the best in the FCS. Fourth in touchdown passes. 
fifth in points uh, responsible with 20 points per game. He was eighth in uh, yards per completion in the nation. These are all numbers that are ranking high. That's imp- that's incredible for a guy who was not expecting to play coming into the year. This is a guy who coming into the year was like, I'm going to have my year, senior year, to come out and just show everybody what I have. Didn't need to. 33 touchdowns, 2,954 yards. And that's not even playing a full season. Imagine if he actually played the whole year. He might be second, maybe even first in touchdowns. So he was impactful through the air. On the ground, he scored an additional six touchdowns. So he was effective in both ways. This led to him being a finalist for HBCU Player of the Year. This guy just had a phenomenal start to his season. And now, in 2021, he'll be participating in the HBCU Legacy Bowl upcoming. And he was the second quarterback selected there. I find the story just very interesting because he replaced a very successful quarterback. And he played good enough to where they're they're not clamoring for that guy back. You are more than happy. You are more than satisfied. You are ecstatic to have Felix Harper as your quarterback for Alcorn. Now, we'll see if they recruit another quarterback because they have player of the year. They have player of the year. We'll see what the next quarterback does, and I can't wait to watch. Just the same way I can't wait to watch Harper when he's playing in the HBCU Legacy Bowl later on. All right, that's it for me today. And because it's Friday, that's it for me for the week. You won't hear from me for a couple of days. Take this opportunity to go check out some of the episodes that you might have missed earlier in the week because I appreciate y'all for making me your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, go to Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Take what they tell you and then go to Bet Online. And in the meantime, in between time, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. And take care. Stay blessed to the next time that we hear each other, family. Peace. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.